Jack Riccardi. Afternoons, 4 till 7. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. All right, Kristen, you'll keep us uh, posted on that uh, active shooter story, right? I know you mentioned the long 8200 block of FM 78. Yeah, we are also expecting some kind of announcement coming up pretty soon from Sheriff Salazar. Okay. So, yes, our eyes are on it. I'm not sure what's there because I just looked at it on Google Maps. I did, too. And I think that what they seem to be stressing is is suspects who got away. I'm kind of scanning some other sources here. Shots were fired. I can't find any um, uh, any reports of injuries, but they're mm-hmm. after something. And so yeah. we'll see where this goes here as the afternoon evolves. That's the area of interest. And yeah, we'll uh, break in with anything else that we get from the sheriff or other places. Um, I brought this up on the show uh, late yesterday, and I wanted to come back to it uh, at the start here today. Uh, and this is this is something that you may have heard about, or you you may have actually read it. But in the Atlantic uh, magazine, the online edition of the Atlantic magazine, a writer named Dr. Emily Oster wrote a piece entitled "Let's Declare a Pandemic Amnesty." And the idea is that this should all be water under the bridge. All the decisions that were made about and during COVID, lockdowns, school closures, mask mandates, uh, people losing their jobs, uh, the punishment and the, um, uh, you know, I guess you could say the ostracization of people who questioned the conventional wisdom All of that, we need to just let that go. We need, she writes, she's a professor at Brown University, we need to forgive one another for what we did and said when we were in the dark about COVID. Let's acknowledge, she writes, that we made complicated choices in the face of deep uncertainty and then try to work together to build back and move forward. And I can't tell if Dr. Oster, and I don't know if she even knows, If she's talking about the way we reacted to one another or the way I treated you or you treated me, I'm always fine with moving forward and, and, you know, we're all called to forgiveness in the Judeo-Christian tradition. So that's, that's good. But I don't think that's what she means. And I think she's being kind of cute about it. For one thing, we weren't in the dark about COVID. We were told a set of facts about COVID by the people in charge, but then when their facts were uh, questioned, they told you to shut up. When other people with equally good credentials and expertise questioned either the facts or the policy decisions that were supposedly derived from the facts, they also were told to shut up and sit down. So it didn't matter if you were an ignoramus like me on the radio or you were, uh, you know, uh, research scientist at Stanford or Yale, Uh, If you were questioning the conventional wisdom, the ruling elite, you were told to shut up. So, no, they weren't in the dark. There were lots of different sources uh, pointing out science that ran contrary to the official claims, and they were silenced. And not only were they told to shut up, but there was quite a uh, conspiracy or collusion of big tech and media and the CDC and the Biden administration. It wasn't an overreaction. It was collusion. And you don't get to advocate policies that do harm to other people and then say, 
oh, we didn't know any better. People have tried that throughout history. That was the excuse the German people used in 1945. Oh, well, we didn't know. We didn't know any better. So her premise is if you lost your job because of not getting the vax, if you had a grandparent die alone, if your kid's education was ruined or your child's early speech development was turned was uh, set back, if you lost your job or you lost your business, if we scared you, if we persecuted you, if we censored you, if we rationed health care from people that didn't get the vaccine, we threw people off uh, the lists for organ donation. Let's be friends now. And this call to decency or forgiveness is incredibly disingenuous and insulting. And it's also transparent what's going on here. I don't know if Dr. Oster is in on this, but I think you can pretty clearly see there's desperation among Democrats and on the American left. Everything right now points to, and I I don't want you to assume this is going to happen and don't get cocky and don't say, well, I don't have to vote. But everything points right now to a pretty epic repudiation of them next Tuesday. And so if you look at everything happening right now, one way to understand it is their desperation has come out into the open. Because I think Dr. Emily Oster is actually aiming her argument at not people like me. I think she is aiming her argument at furious well-educated, democratic women like Azra Nomani, who we have on the show frequently from Virginia, and people like her, who have been Democratic voters consistently for many years, who did not vote for Donald Trump either time, but who are swinging toward Republicans in a big way in the bluest of states in this cycle. And let's remember, the bluest states were the hardest hit by the policies that Dr. Oster now thinks we should just forgive and forget. So the damage done and the memory of it is now supposed to be chalked up to a misunderstanding between friends. We're supposed to, I guess, just meet up for coffee and laugh it all off. Well, she's saying that because she knows that she's actually lost those people. The Democratic Party has lost those people. There's polling that indicates a a huge shift uh, among white suburban women voters, among Latino voters, among African-American voters. And so you're going to hear all kinds of things now that attempt to rewrite the history of the last two years. And we said it at the time. You and I, we had this discussion over the last two years. School closures, the overreach, CRT in the schools, the radical trans ideology in the schools. We said, you know, eventually you're going to awake a sleeping giant. Eventually parents, which are an enormous group of people, I mean an enormous chunk of our population, our moms and dads, you're going to wake these people up and you're going to mobilize them in a way that normally they are not all headed in the same direction. And they've done it. And I think it's just beginning. The midterms are a week from today. Last week, these same people lost Twitter. So think about it. 
they lost the 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 cornerstone of that uh, mechanism of colluding between government, tech, and I guess you could say communications or news media. And now they are losing numerically at the ballot box. This is not going to go well. They're going to be melting down. They already are. When they do, um, they're going to say some crazy and irrational things, which we'll laugh at. And they're going to do some very dangerous things, which we won't. An example of something we can laugh at is um, there are now people uh, calling, there was a guy on MSNBC yesterday calling for Elon Musk's U.S. citizenship to be revoked. Now, the reason I think this is funny is because for the longest time, people on the left didn't care about citizenship. So it's quite a stretch for them to go from not caring about it to wanting it revoked, to thinking that it is a valuable thing that you should be able to lose through certain actions. In other words, if you if you don't do the right thing, you shouldn't be here. That is quite a turn for this guy and guys like him. I guess citizenship does matter after all. And it's also an interesting look from the Democrats to say people that disagree with us should not have citizenship. I don't think, I'm pretty sure, that at no time during any of his most extreme moments did Donald Trump say, let's not give citizenship to people that don't agree with us. He may have said some things you didn't like about immigration and immigrants. I don't think he said that. 210-599-5555. And continuing the theme of the desperation is the Pelosi story. Now, again, as I said yesterday, I I personally don't care what happened to him. I I don't mean I don't care about him as a human being. If he was hit with a hammer, he should not have been. He did not deserve that. That should not have happened. I hope he gets better. But... But what I mean is I I did not need entree into this story. I don't live in San Francisco. I don't live in the neighborhood, so it doesn't it doesn't involve me. I've been involved. You have been involved. You have been made to care about this because you have been blamed for it. Because your politics, the way you voted or are going to vote next Tuesday, are to blame for this because of the candidates you support and the state you live in and the guy you voted for for president last time, you are to blame for this. And what's happening with this story, I I almost think reminds me a little bit of the Jesse Smollett story. Remember, Jesse Smollett came out with a story that he had been attacked by people who said this is MAGA country and uh, poured bleach on him and put a noose around his neck. And... Right away, the media and the Democrats ran with that narrative. But then when it was investigated by the Chicago Police Department, that narrative exploded. And they were left having made claims and having formulated a thesis about life in America that was not supported by the actual events, which were that Jesse Smollett was a attention-starved actor who paid his attackers to stage an attack. The only difference between Jesse Smollett and the Pelosi's is that Jesse Smollett had no power in Chicago. 
So he was pretty much taken apart by nothing more than a garden variety police investigation. The Pelosi's have power in San Francisco. They are a powerful family. The entire political tree of office holders in San Francisco grows off the trunk of the Pelosi family. And we're not going to learn anything about that story. We're not going to learn anything about what happened in that house. We're not going to learn anything about the alleged attacker that they don't want released. But people don't have to believe what they are being told. They don't have to accept the blame that is being assigned to them. And we're going to talk about why you wouldn't and why, again, I think this is part of that desperation. I think I think every one of the next seven days is going to be like this, and then the days after are going to be like this, don't you? So phone lines are open as we get started, 210-599-5555. Tell me what you think about all this, the the forgiveness, the, the COVID forgiveness, the uh, Smollett-Pelosi uh, story, and uh, everything else that we're talking about, 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. And right here, let's get a look at KTSA Time Saver Traffic. The 2022 midterms happen here. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. All right, so how are you feeling about uh, COVID amnesty? Are you ready to say to Nelson Wolf? Hey, let's just let that go. Let's just, you know, it was a crazy time. You were doing the best you could. I get you, man. I, I, you know, that maybe that bandana was cutting off your oxygen. Are you, is that how you feel toward Ron Nirenberg? Uh, is that how you feel toward Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, toward uh, employers that fired people? toward the military, the terminated careers in service to our country, toward medical professionals who said, no organ transplant for you, get out. I don't know if anything personally happened to you. I don't know if you were uh, personally damaged, hurt. A lot of people were. If you weren't, are you feeling forgiving toward those who hurt others? If you were, are you feeling this COVID amnesty for yourself? 210-599-5555. I know that forgiveness is what we are called to in, in our religious tradition. Um, I'm going to fall short on this one. I'm going to come up short on this one. I don't forgive them. And... I know the only reason my forgiveness is sought, they, they haven't come to some new respect for me or you. The only reason our forgiveness is sought is in the hope that some of the voting blocks that have left them, that are, that are pissed off at them, won't terminate them next week. And that's the only reason. They've had all kinds of time to have a come to the table discussion about this. They've had all kinds of time. Why now? Why right now? It it, it must be the polling. It must be the 
axe is about to fall. So now you want a meeting of the minds. Now you want to say, hey, we, yeah, we did the best we could. I mean, everybody makes mistakes. I, I'll tell you, uh, people died alone in nursing homes. Military veterans didn't get their, their proper uh, burial. Jobs and businesses. And I know to politicians, we're just taxpayers, but that's not how we think of ourselves. We identify ourselves. We, we um, define ourselves by our work. When you take that from us, they don't understand, but we do, what that does to a person, what that means to a person. And then the children. We have to be angry on their behalf. They don't vote. They don't go to the meetings. So no, I'm not, I'm not uh, having any amnesty for any of these people. In fact, I, I will go further. Um, the midterms are only the beginning. We will be holding you accountable. We will be remembering you by name and by action for years. And I certainly hope. I, I'm not a cheerleader for either party. I'm not urging people to join the Republican Party. But I sure hope that voters that are voting out of a sense of outrage in 2022 will maintain that because some of the people you need to hold accountable won't be on the ballot until 2024. So you need to stay with that, (laughs) okay? It's not a one-time thing. Just the fact that they are talking about this indicates they are beginning to get a whiff of how angry people are. And they're asking for something from us they did not extend to us. You know, you, you, can, you can say, and I'm prepared, I'm sure somebody is going to say today, Jack, what's come over you? You don't sound like a very nice person. Where's your, where's your decency? Where's your, where's your kindness? Well, they didn't extend any. I, I will be kind and I will be decent as much as I can, wherever I can. But these people were bullies and tyrants. They were yelling. They were grasping their clipboards and waving their mandates over their head like they were unfurling parchment orders from the king. And the only reason they want to revisit it is because they lost the narrative. And they're losing it all over the place. They're losing it in court. They're losing it in setbacks not only elective setbacks, but policy setbacks. The unvaccinated and those who had the backbone or the means to stand up for themselves are winning all over the place, all over the map. So, yeah, now they would like uh, peace. That's what you do when you're losing a war. You, you sue for peace. You offer peace terms. You're being offered peace terms, but they're losing. You've got them on the ropes. It's up to you. I mean, I can't tell you what to do, but I can tell you I'm not forgiving them. I'm not I'm not granting any amnesty from, from my heart, are you? And again, I, I know you're not used to hearing me like this, and I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to do it. They were outrageous. They were relentless. They were drunk on their own power. They couldn't help themselves. And, and I, I could almost understand 
if they were really coughing it all up. But they're saying stuff like we didn't know and nobody knew and we went with the best available information. Like the Great Barrington Declaration never happened. Like people like Dr. McCary never happened. There were books, there were articles, there were symposia, there were people at the most prestigious academic institutions saying, whoa, 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 you don't need to do this. Open those schools, it's okay. No. They weren't groping along, doing the best they could. They were, they were on a trip. And only because the trip is over, the ride is over, do they suddenly want us all to come together. Well, if you come together with people like that, all I can say to you is, you, you know, you're a better person than I am, but all I can say to you is don't turn your back on them. We're going to update KTSA Time Saver Traffic. We're going to go to your calls on this. 210-599-5555 on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Okay, Halloween, checked it off. Next up, Thanksgiving. Already the, the stores are full of Christmas uh, decorations and merchandise and what have you. When you get to the point where you are putting up a tree and decorating the outside of your house, Mr. Electric can make sure you have outlets where you need them. Don't Clark Griswold it with a lot of power strips because that that could end up not being funny. That could end up being very dangerous. If you need extra power strips where your tree is or where you plug in all your lights in the front yard, they can do that. And now would be the time to call Mr. Electric and do that at 210 468 zero nine nine five they go all over they do great work they give you an upfront price it doesn't change with senior and military discounts available for mr electric they're a military family-owned company and then when they're done you get that whole home safety checkup 210-468-0995 or mrelectric.com The 2022 midterms. Stay connected and informed. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. All right, it's uh, 4.37 on News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. Jack Riccardi. I, um, I think it's one thing to forgive each other, you know, brothers, sisters, friends. If, 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 if you had friction, disagreement, over these last two years, and this is somebody you love or like. I mean, yeah. I mean, open your heart. I, I'm I'm not talking about that, and I. It isn't even my place to talk about that. I'm not. That's not my my purview. But you come to me and say we ought to forgive those in power. We ought to forgive the mandators and the um people that declared what was essential and not essential like they were like they were kings and queens no no you're only asking for it because your judgment day is coming a week from today and you're seeing poll numbers that indicate you have not gotten away with it if you were getting away with it if there wasn't an election next week i don't think we'd be hearing about covid amnesty so that kind of covid amnesty i'm not good with but you can take your best shot at it if you want to try to convince me, try to change my mind. 210-599-5555. Deanna is on the Jack Riccardi Hi. Show on KTSA. Hi, Deanna. Hi, Jack. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I have a lot to say. I want to hear it. Okay. Well, first of all, amnesty never. I think we need to have a hell of a reckoning. And it needs to be done swiftly ASAP. They want to say that they were 
in the dark about COVID, they were asleep. A lot of us were awake and they didn't listen to us. The worst thing they did was come for our children. That's a no-go. There is no turning back, no amnesty for them. My personal beef with the Northeast Independent School District, superintendent, trustees that voted to mask our children, didn't want to listen to us. They need to go ASAP. Yeah, they weren't in the dark. They kept telling us they had all the science, that if you questioned them, you were questioning science. That's not how you would talk if you were in the dark. You, you would say, hey, we don't know. What, what do you think, uh, parents? What do you think, Correct. Uh, they said, doctors? But they the didn't science. do that. Yeah, they said listen to the science, except the science they were looking at wasn't based on facts. And that's where they went wrong. We had plenty of school board meetings where parents that were professionals, doctors, scientists, went and presented information, right. facts, and studies, and they didn't listen. No amnesty, right. and I think they need to go. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right, and I think the only reason we're even hearing this word amnesty is because they know that that reckoning you're talking about is coming. It is. It sure is. And I mean, they're, they're, they're feeling it, and so they're like, oh, maybe if we... <laughs> Maybe if we pull out the humility card at the last minute, but you guys showed us who you were the last two years. We're not buying that. Sure did. It's it's good and evil right now, and we're in a cage fight, and I don't think any of us should back down. No feeling sorry for these people. They had no mercy on us, and we should do the same. Okay. Well said, Deanna. Right. Thank you. Good to have you on our show. Uh, 210-599-5555 on KTSA. Eric's on the radio. Hi, Eric. Hey. Jack, I'm with you. Uh, the situation is uh, still being pushed by the Biden administration to get your boot see PSA on the radio, or see him on the television, and hear him on the radio uh, about getting your boosters. You know, they're still pushing this. And I think the quote unquote leadership, local leadership, uh, just uh, kept on pushing this to see who would be compliant. And I think a lot of people's eyes have been opened up with the information that's been released in regards to the vaccine, the vaccination being not what they said it is. Uh, I also want to make a comment, too, about uh, Biden wanting to push uh, uh, petroleum companies to lower their profits. I think what they're doing is trying to uh, check the, which way the wind's blowing to see if the American public will be in agreement with it and uh, have the U.S. government start controlling more and more of the petroleum production in our country. Uh, it's a move. Well, actually, Eric, I think the federal government already I think the federal government already does control uh, that production. I mean, think about it. They haven't allowed refinery capacity to be added. They've they've blocked uh, public lands. They have released petroleum reserve petroleum, which directly affects the, the, the market. So in a way, other than declaring it their property, which they could also do, they could nationalize it. But short of doing that, I think they are controlling it. And now they're trying to act like they don't like the way things are going. But in fact, all of this is because of their policies. But I think it is a, it's a push out of desperation to make the American people say, you know, hey, 
you know, they're not doing a good job about it. They're just ripping the American people off. Point, pointing the finger at somebody else, right. right. Exactly. Yeah, it's gonna be and it's gonna be pointed at everybody but them in the in the in the you know, next few days for sure. I think you're right about that. Eric, thank you. Um one more thing real quick on the oil companies. Uh, look, I don't know uh I'm not an expert on on that industry. I've I've read a lot, I've listened to people who are experts. My understanding is that when times are good, they, they make a lot of money, and when times are not, they don't. They are watching what the politicians are doing right now. They're watching this massive and forced, never in history have we seen it, rush to EVs. Not an evolution toward it, not consumer-driven, not people's preferences have changed, like, hey, we like tail fins, now we don't like tail fins. Well, you know, no, this is... This is a rushed and forced uh, shift. If you're old line energy companies, what would you do right now? You would make the maximum amount of profit on the remaining time that you had to be the supplier of the principal energy source of our country. Now, you don't have to like that, but only an idiot would not understand that. And... I I never really like lectures from politicians about greed. Like, you, you know, my priest can talk about greed and your therapist can talk about greed. But, man, when politicians talk about greed, the, the federal government is the most uh, uh, confiscatory entity on earth. I mean, no, nobody has a more insatiable appetite for your hard-earned dollar than they do. No one makes a more outlandish, outrageous, insistent point of a gun claim. I mean, you can hate any company, any industry you want, but they can't come to you with a gun pointed at your head and say, give it to us. But the federal government can. I mean, we don't think of it that way when we pay our taxes, but if you if you boil it down, that's basically what it comes to, right? I mean, if you don't pay, then you eventually get to that point. So, no, no lectures about greed from Joe Biden or anybody else. And um, what what's happening with with energy is another example of this whole thing. So they they came into office on the Green New Deal. They've been touting it. But have you noticed they seem to have temporarily forgotten about it? All of a sudden they're interested in oil and gas production. They're interested in lowering the price of gas. Back when they were riding high in the polls, they said things like, well, we need higher gas prices in order to make this EV transition. They, they promised in 2020, Biden as a candidate and others were promising, we're going to kill coal, we're going to kill oil. They were proud of it. They laughed about it. The only reason they've changed their tune is not because they've, they've, they've gotten smarter, but because they realize they're about to get hurt by your response to that. And I wish I could say to you, okay, we've learned them, we've schooled them, they'll be better from now on, but after the midterms, those who are left are going to go right back to where they were before. This is just to see how badly, how much they can ameliorate the hit they're gonna take next Tuesday, I think. 210-599-5555, more of your calls coming up on the amnesty thing and on today's JR poll question. Another update on KTSA time saver traffic right around the corner here too on 550 and 1071 KTSA. I realize you consider it a traffic light 
uh, pull up an app on your phone and apply for a mortgage. You can do it that fast, but you probably shouldn't just because you can. Uh, This is a big decision, and you should probably know about all the different kinds of mortgage products that are available to you uh, and which one would be right for you, and that's what they do at Helen's Money Team with Guild Mortgage. Uh, They're mortgage bankers. They have access to FHA and VA and USVA and Jumbo and the specialty mortgage products that are for investment buyers or for multifamily buyers or whatever it is. And so wherever you are in your journey, you tell them about it, they study your situation, they come up with recommendations, and they help you implement that plan. You together with Helen's money, you know, Helen's money team, you together move forward toward buying a house, toward buying a vacation house or a smaller house or a bigger house. 210-403-0808. 210-403-0808 for Helen's Money Team with Guild Mortgage. Equal housing lender, company NMLS number 3274. Celebrating 100 years of service. 55 KTSA. Coming up in about uh, 30 minutes, is Iran about to attack the United States and her allies? And are there U.S. troops on the ground in Ukraine? A couple of things we're going to talk about with Lisa Doftari from ForeignDeskNews.com here on the Jack Riccardi Show on 550 and 1071 KTSA. So uh, writing in the Atlantic, Dr. Emily Oster, a professor at Brown University, thinks that it's time to declare, and I guess we all are in on this, uh, amnesty over uh, COVID. So the people that uh, made policy, gave orders, she thinks were just, you know, people doing the best they could, making complicated choices in the face of deep uncertainty, she writes, and you and I need to just let this go. Certainly not let it affect our votes in the future or our attitudes toward the next thing they order or mandate. Do you want to give amnesty? Are you feeling it? And I'm not talking about people in your life and the people that you live with, love, are related to. That's between you and them, and I wouldn't pretend to give you any advice on that. But uh, we're talking about the, the, the authoritarians, the rule makers, you know, the people with the clipboards. Amnesty? Blythe is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. What do you think? Hi. Um, Hi, Jack. So I think this is absolutely absurd. The thought of amnesty is just ridiculous. People want accountability and parents want accountability. One of your previous callers mentioned um, the school districts and Mm -hmm. what they did to our uh, children and how they refused to listen to parents and doctors and other professionals that came to speak to them. No, that's a, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, I mean, and, and it isn't just going to happen in this election, November 8th, 2022. It, it happened in a school board election that happened this May. It will happen again in years to come for school board elections. It'll be a issue in the presidential election in 2024. Mm. Uh, no, I, People do have short memories, but this this affects our lives for years and years to come. It affected jobs and and our children's education. There's massive learning loss. This is something that will not be forgotten. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think the I think the part about children is the thing that ensures it will not be forgotten. You can you can get away with a lot, and people will 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 you know play for their team, blue, red, whatever. But boy, when you come for their children, um, they become parents first and political party members second. So that's a great point, Blythe. Thank you, thank you for being on our show. Uh, Claire is on KTSa. Claire, good afternoon. Hello, Jack. Hi. Uh, I love this topic. This is great because we do need to keep this story alive and we need to keep talking about what they did do. And, you know, the, oh, this is what the news was saying, you know, because the news and Big Tech was more than happy to push this narrative. And, and you know, that just tells me if you're still listening to the same outlets, you need, you, you're, not, you're not thinking for yourself and you've lost that capacity. And in terms of educators, then you shouldn't be an educator. You shouldn't be in that school system, uh, you know, that, that the other parents were talking about because you're clearly not able to discern truth or do your own research. And that's a pretty big thing to, t- to take, violate parental rights and to, you know, tell them that, no, you can't make medical choices over your children with asthma that you're making wear masks that can't breathe or that are scared or that now, you know, like have lost two years of development. Kids are so mm-hmm. immature right now mm-hmm. because they've had that setback that was that was that was unnecessary so i don't know there's <laughs> i think you could get a lot of different opinions on this but um, you know they were segregating our, our kids they we i think everything everyone needs to be held accountable there has to be investigations and i mean it at the local level too because you know you can almost understand how these big politicians can kind of do it but how did the school districts know right away to print stickers and to have follow these use slogans mm-hmm. how did their mm-hmm. nurses know how to say six feet, six feet, and make sure all the data that they wanted to present to parents to try to convince us it was so, you know, necessary, um, you know, they all had the same talking points. And that is not, that's not accidental. I don't know if it's, you know, administrative organizations or um, I don't want to speculate, but there, there needs to be um, investigation, prosecution, penalties. And remember that justice, justice is really important for America. And, and well, I'm and can you imagine, Claire, if we did, if we said, oh, okay, you know, let let bygones be bygones, these people would be out of control the next time. Oh, yes. You know, they, they locked our, our, they locked parents out of schools for the over, over a year. And then now, and they, now they printed up news stickers, okay, for the doors and are spending, I don't know how many thousands, millions of dollars to to basically turn our schools into fortresses and they needed just you know because they couldn't keep us away once the pandemic mask was coming off does that make sense so then you know once we were back on campus and wanted to be part of these thriving communities and partners and with our educators um nope we had to have another reason to mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. tell you now now you even though you've passed a background check you can't mm-hmm. get onto campus yeah. unless you're an invited volunteer that's not yeah. okay. We're parents. We're no, you're right about that. Great points, Claire. Great call. Thank you. Thanks for being on our show. We'll get to more of these coming up after the news. Kristen's going to catch us up on the uh, shooting situation on FM 78, which turns out to have been a fist fight with shots fired. We're going to get the details on that story and everything else going on in the news. Then you and I will come back and kick it around here on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Jack Riccardi, afternoons 4 till 7. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. So, Christian, you're saying that uh, Bruce Springsteen has a a hearing aid. Yeah, who knew? (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, that probably will do a lot of, that'll probably help a lot of people kind of 
get over the hump or the indecisive, you know, kind of like uh, make them feel like, all right, well, if he can do it, I can do it. Now, when he gets a hurricane, I want you to tell me, uh, then, we can, <laughs> then we can really talk when he gets the hurricane. But, uh, yeah, no, I, that, that makes sense. And, you know, you, you, I'm sure you'll agree, people who work in radio, we all have hearing loss. I'll tell you what, are you one of those people who listens to the headphone audio down low, or do you crank it? I used to be cranking it, and now I have so much hearing loss in one ear that I'm trying to save the other ear. Do you I'm really? Try, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get through the rest of my career with the remaining good ear. Yeah, no, I, I totally ruined one ear. Yeah, I listen pretty loud, too, but I, I, I don't, well, maybe I should look into those hearing aids. Who knows? Yeah, but I mean, you know, I want the Springsteen model. You know, yeah, right. Sounds cool. All right. Thank you. Uh, 210-599-5555. So John Fetterman, the Senate candidate from Pennsylvania, is going to be on The View on Friday, his first live interview following that disastrous debate performance. Remember that the women of The View have defended Fetterman, uh, claiming he showed great bravery and courage and set an example for the country. So to me, this is going to be like John Fetterman and four home health aides on Friday. Um. Chuck Todd on NBC's Meet the Depressed was interviewing Governor John Sununu of New Hampshire. Now, Sununu is one of those New England Republicans I was telling you about. If, if, if you put a New England Republican anywhere else in the country, people would scream and yell, he's a rhino. But, but the only way to be a Republican up there is to kind of be a middle-of-the-road you know, type of Republican. So that's who Sununu is, but... Uh, they were trying to get him over the fact that he's he's endorsed the Republican Senate candidate in New Hampshire, a guy named Don Bolduc, who is Trump-backed, um, is a guy that questions the 2020 election, uh, thinks it was, uh, you know, fraudulent. And Sununu had not been a uh, Bolduc supporter in the primaries, but now he's supporting his party's nominee. So Chuck Todd tries to get him on this, and Sununu turns on Todd. Take a listen to this. Cut number Why are you supporting one. an election denialist? And, and do you think the inflate, inflation issue is enough uh, to, comp, to sort of rationalize support for somebody who thinks school buses of voters are going to show up in New Hampshire? Yeah. Yeah, let me tell you, you, you're in a bubble, man. I love you, Chuck, but you are in a bubble. If you think anybody is talking about what happened in 2020 or talking about Mar-a-Lago and all that. I know the press loves in 2020 or talking about Mar-a-Lago and all that. I know the press loves to talk about it. People are talking about what is happening in their pocketbooks every single day. I, look, I get when that, When they have governor. to buy groceries or fill should up gas or right now. You well, that, that's should be far away. To, yeah, over should they be? Okay. How could they? Of course. Oh, my gosh, Chuck, this is hitting people. They're having trouble paying their mortgage. They're having trouble making car payments because of bad policies out of Washington. Should they be? That is, look, the beauty of the American system is every voter has the right mm -hmm. and almost the responsibility to be selfish with their vote, to vote in terms of what is best for their totally family, agree. the better choice for schools, better economic opportunity, and that's exactly what's going to happen in a week, which is why Hassan's going to get fired. A whole bunch of these Democrats are going to get fired because, frankly, folks that think that, we're war that the average voter is worried about 2020, the average voter it, it's a serious issue of course but it is not what people are going to be voting on yeah. in the next so, week and that's so it's amazing it's amazing that you would even have to point this out but i love the way he did it i mean he, he, he just flat out tells him um you cannot tell the voters what you want them to care about you should be reporting on what they do care about someone else who gets that and i have been slow to come around to her but i am coming around to carrie lake the 
the candidate for governor in Arizona. She has been outstanding in going after the way the media cover this race, not only her race, but the whole 2022 cycle. And I think we talked about the other day, there was a break-in at the campaign headquarters of her opponent, Democrat Katie Hobbs, um, which quickly was spun into a story where somehow the Lake campaign did that or was behind it or inspired it. And she is a former television reporter, so she's talking to these people about their craft and about how they're uh, misreporting the story. Listen to Carrie Lake at this news conference, cut number two. I spent the evening with our first responders and our law enforcement, men and women who put their lives on the line every single day. And we talked about the issues that they're facing, and we discussed ways to make sure that we can protect them, we can hire more police, make sure that our police and firefighters are protected. And while this was happening, my desperate opponent, who's sinking like a lead weight in water, pulled a stunt, and you guys fell for it. She put out a defamatory statement, and you all ran with it. You didn't do your journalistic duty. It was malpractice of journalism like I've never seen before. And it was an effort, I believe, to influence this election. Many of you are an arm of the Democrat Party. Many of you are propagandists. And almost all of you should be ashamed. So I want to show you what happened yesterday. My Democrat uh, opponent put out a statement. Where's our board here? Right, right here. So, and then she goes into, like, she, she shows a- the, she's basically got a storyboard with how it was reported and how it looked. Now, remember, this lady was a television anchor woman and reporter. So everyone she's talking to, th- this would be like if, if Ursula Perry was running for governor or Deborah Daniels was running for governor. They all know her. And she knows them. And she she knows that they know that she's on to what they're doing. But this is something that every candidate needs to start thinking about. You can't sit there and play by their rules and let them define the issues and let them decide that the issue for the remaining week of the campaign is a totally unproven allegation that your campaign broke into the opponent's campaign headquarters. Here's more from Carrie Lake, cut number three. And they defamed me. They put defamatory statements, lies about me. And the reason they didn't, that they did that is because this was the real news yesterday that none of you wanted to cover. We're 11 points up. You're in a frenzied panic because your chosen candidate is not winning. You didn't want to cover this, so you had to run with a completely garbage bullshit story. Shame on each and every one of you. Shame on you. I, I think we need a lot more of this. Now, the reason I was a little slow on Carrie Lake and I'm still reserving a little bit of judgment is only because when I researched her, she was an Obama voter. She donated to Obama. She seems to have come to these policy positions and this political position late. And so, and of course, people do, and that's fine. I, I want to be sure that she is not merely someone who has studied us figured out what we want to hear, and is just, you know, playing the hits. Because people will do that. You're going to have people that will present themselves in this way and are not authentically with us. They are just trying to get into office. Uh, I sure hope she is not one of them. I'm, I'm becoming more and more convinced that she's not. This news conference was epic. I mean, she was on fire. Here's another a piece of it, cut number four. Sir, who are you and who are you with? I'm Neil Jones. I'm with the Arizona Sun-Times. Neil. 
Um, would you like to say anything to maybe someone college age who's thinking about becoming a journalist <laughs> one day? What can they do to set themselves on That's the right That's a great path? question. That's a great question. Really resist if you're if you're in journalism school. You don't need to be in journalism school to be a journalist, as you probably know. You just need to have some common sense, have a love for getting to the bottom of stories, learn how to investigate, learn how to dig for evidence, but resist being an activist. Take your opinions, and we all have opinions, not a single one of us is completely unbiased. We got it in there somewhere. Bury it deep down when you're covering a story. If you know your bias is in favor of someone like Katie Hobbs, which many of you I'm sure are in favor of her, you gotta check that. You gotta bring it back towards the middle and knowing what your bias is, bring it back the other way and just really pursue the truth. That's my mm. suggestion. Yeah, don't go to journalism school, says the guy who went. Um, 210-599-5555. What do you think of her? Um, what do you think about this amnesty uh, idea that's uh, being floated in the desperate remaining days, these, these sweaty anxious days before the midterms. We're going to talk about that. Lisa Duftari, ForeignDeskNews.com, going to join us on the show as well here on 550 and 1071 KTSA. If you're a pet owner, I don't have to tell you all the things they do for us. Just, just the way that being a dog or cat owner reduces your stress, takes you out of yourself. We, we owe them everything for the way they calm us and distract us and Get us out of the house. Maybe you've even met people just because you were walking your dog and that's how you got to know your neighbors. For all that, all they ask is a bowl of food and a bowl of water and a little bit of vet care. And at the end of their life, there's one more thing you can do for that dog or that cat that did so much for you, and that's Blue Bonnet Pet Crematory. You can call and make final arrangements that are affordable and dignified, and they'll work with you on how you want to commemorate your pet at Blue Bonnet Pet Crematory. And they've done it for me uh, with each of the last several dogs I've had, and I, I will be a lifelong Blue Bonnet a customer, and I know a lot of KTSA listeners are too. 210-566-4501, 210-566-4501. You can also prearrange if your pet is getting up there in years. Or go to bluebonnetpetcrematory.com. The 2022 midterms happen here. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. Hey, it's that time of year again. We're asking you to help us with Rapping with Jack. Go to KTSA.com right now. And you can donate money there. You can see what the gifts are that these families desperately need and go shopping for them. You can even buy them on Amazon right off the wish list. All of that is on the page for for uh, Rapping with Jack at KTSA.com. It's presented by Quarter Moon, Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, Family Service Association, and KTSA. On our KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line, uh, the foreign desk editor dot com news uh, e- or uh, news editor or editor in chief uh, Lisa Daftari is joining the show. Lisa, there's a late word from Israel tonight that um, it looks like uh, Netanyahu is going to win that election and return to power. What are you hearing about that? Right, you know that's what the the, the rumors were leading up to it. The feeling in the country was that they were going to go back to Bibi. You know, each time that um, Israel or Israelis try to take, you know, a more liberal approach and, and um, vote in more leftist politicians, which there are plenty of in Israel, it seems like they go back to wanting mm. Bibi and understanding that 
national security is number one for them. It's not something that they can joke around with. They're not something that they can, you know, um, flirt around with different candidates. They're going to pay for it. And in this time period, the BB's been out of office. We've seen several. I mean, it was almost daily in May, June. Um, attacks uh, and vulnerability is there and whether it's a message to their adversaries or truly because there isn't a stronger leader uh, in power it looks like uh, they want BB back what is your what is your hunch or your your gut feeling about this story today that uh, the US and Saudi Arabia are on high alert because Iran is about to attack either U.S. troops in Iraq or Saudi uh, installations, and this would be ostensibly to distract from the domestic turmoil in Iran. But, of course, mm-hmm. coming on the eve of our midterms, it, it has kind of that the feel of a distraction event for us too, right? Correct. You know, this is something that's been going around in uh, Arabic news sources for a couple of days now with some um, you know, rumors whirling. Now we have confirmation from both Saudi and U.S. officials who are saying that um, there is, in fact, this imminent threat and that they are on high alert. It would not be surprising. This is a page out of the uh, Iran regime handbook to create distractions, to take the attention away from the international scrutiny that is upon them right now. Uh, and, of course, the biggest Achilles heel of vulnerability for them is the people of Iran who are still on the streets entering the seventh week of protests. Uh, despite the very, very brutal and horrific crackdowns, the kids are coming back out onto the streets day after day across the country. And as you said, in this, uh, in, in our election cycle, this is something that would perhaps be welcomed in a certain capacity because it would also be a distraction and something mm-hmm. where the uh, U.S. would be able to take a strong stance against uh, something like this. The other thing I wanted to mention is how the uh, U.S. foreign policy vis-a-vis Iran has done it in a 180 in the last six mm. weeks. You know, mm-hmm. six weeks ago, we heard... Yeah, the uh, Iran... Obama. What happened to the Iran nuclear deal? <laughs> Good question, <laughs> right? That was going to be the crown jewel of the Biden uh, foreign policy, just like it was the Obama foreign policy. And yet, in the last six weeks, not only do you have President Obama saying he made a mistake in not supporting the People's Movement in 2009, but you also have the Biden administration slowly creeping away from the negotiation table and and, and the desire, more importantly, because the deal wasn't going anywhere. But we still heard, on the one hand, uh, this condemnation for the human rights abuses in Iran and support for the protesters, and on the other hand, uh, that desire to go back to the negotiation table to strike a deal with Iran. So it was double talk. And now we're seeing them actually uh, move away from from that policy. Very casually, in the middle of a Washington Post article, I read that there are U.S. troops in Ukraine inspecting um, shipments of U.S. weapons. Um, th- this would be boots on the ground, right? Right. Right. So what, 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 where was the big announcement about that? We were, that seems like it should be a very big deal. Right. And you would think it would be. But the bigger question is how much is enough is, not, is enough with, uh, with regards to supporting Ukraine and all the money and all the weapons. And now you have, as you said, um, Americans on the ground there getting involved, inserting themselves. Uh, and that would be considered you know, by Putin as boots on the ground, as you know, involvement in, in, in this war. So um, it, it does escalate things, uh, as you point out, and, and the fact that it was not mentioned is a reason. It's perhaps because we are on the eve of an election, because we did not want to insert ourselves in another war, although 
Americans are not stupid. Last week, we also had a report that should China invade Taiwan, we would not have adequate resources, military and, and funding, et cetera, because of how much we have um, pledged to Ukraine and given Ukraine. So these are all very worrisome. This is very weak foreign policy. This is incredibly um, unmeasured and uh, irresponsible to a certain extent. And uh, of course, lacking transparency. We do not know this. And we're being told, as you said, very casually by the media. I guess I'm just going to say this out loud because I think a lot of people are thinking it, Lisa. But if I'm wrong, you can tell me, and you know you have before. If I'm Russia or China, whatever it is I'm going to do, I'm going to do mm-hmm. before January of 2025 because there's a pretty good chance whoever is next will will be a little more on the stick than the people we have right now. I mean, why wouldn't why would they wait any longer than January of 2025 to go to Taiwan or Belarus or wherever wherever these these regimes are going next? Am I wrong about that? Right. No, you're absolutely right, which is why it's actually very probable that Iran will stir, stir up something whether it's in Iraq or uh, in Saudi Arabia by hitting US assets because they know that there are not going to be uh, consequences. You have an administration here in Washington that basically has told our enemies that there are no consequences, that they are after appeasement, that they will not do anything. You know, you also, you know, at, at least with Obama, his his guru and mentor of, of sorts, um, you had an, a, a podium president, somebody who at least tried to maybe deliver some sort of, um, you know, kind of uh, uh, wagging the, the finger and, and, and kind of saying, please back off. We don't even have that right now. I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think they had I think they had m- way more respect for Obama than they have for, th- for this president, Correct. this administration, even though I know it's a lot of the same people. Right. Well, the thing is, at least with Obama, and I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, too, so it'll be a first for both of us. But at least with Obama, that was his position. It was perhaps his vision of foreign policy. But with this administration, there is no vision. There's no foreign policy. There's no pulse. Um, and perhaps some people will take that to mean be figuratively and literally, but uh, there is no backbone. And that is yeah. definitely something that has been um, noticed by our adversaries. And as you said, I think they have a special clock that says Biden's time is running out. And, yeah. and this is, you know, this is this is what we need to do. and We're going to do it. Yeah, no, it's it's hard not to see everything in the news as, uh, you know, if, if you were ever going to do X, do it before January 2025. Lisa Daftari, Uh Bookmark that. Go every day. And Lisa, thanks always for coming on the show. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Update on KTSA Time Saver Traffic. We're going to take some more of your phone calls. we got a lot more to get to here. 210-599-5555. They had the, um, the victim statements for the uh, Parkland school killer uh, for the sentencing uh, of that uh, guy that, that killed 17 in Florida in 2017. And um, I, I need to play some of this for you, and we'll talk about it after we get this KTSA Time Saver Traffic Update on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Celebrating 100 years of service. 55 KTSA. All right, 538 on KTSA. If you are in the car right now and you're almost to where you're going, you're going to be a little late because you're not going to want to get out of the car for what I'm about to play. You, you need to hear this. You're going to want to hear it. And I, I really was, um, I was blown away by this young woman uh, named Megan Petty. She is the sister 
of one of the victims of the 2018 high school shooting in Parkland, Florida, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. Her sister's name was Elena, and Elena was only 14. She was killed by this guy that they just sentenced to life. So she is standing, this young woman, just a few feet away from the person that killed her sister. And she is looking him in the eye. And she is making one of these victim statements. And I know you've heard these before, but this one is not just about him. It's really also about us, and it's about school shootings, and it's about the assumptions we're making about school shootings. I want you to think about what we've said and and everything that's been said about, like, the Uvalde killer as well. So first she says that she really didn't want to do this statement. She didn't want to give this guy the satisfaction of appearing in court. Cut number five. My main reason, though, for not wanting to speak was that I didn't want to give you the opportunity to enjoy more of our family's suffering, which you've admitted that you wanted to see. This entire ordeal has pushed me to my emotional, physical, and mental limits. It will continue to do so for the rest of my life, even more so now that he has escaped being punished to the fullest extent of the law, as I believe he should have been, knowing he gets to live out the rest of his natural life, something Elena doesn't get to do because of his disgusting and violent actions on February 14th, 2018. He has escaped this punishment because a minority of the jury was given the power to overturn the majority decision made by people who were able to see him for what he is, a remorseless monster who deserves no mercy. She is really powerful. And this next piece, you need to listen to this. She's angry at the idea that we are labeling what he did as mental illness. Because in her mind, if we keep doing that, we are making the unacceptable acceptable or explainable. Cut cut number six. Listen to this. This incredible darkness that he has within him, which has been labeled here as mental illness, is something that should be considered unacceptable and intolerable. Yet in this court, we have shown the world that if one stretches the truth, they can get away with not only murder, but mass murder. Every single sick, twisted little freak hiding in their room, searching up things on the internet like mass shooter hype video, videos of mass shootings, police response times, etc., will now look at this case and say to themselves, all I have to do is claim mental illness and I can get away with it. Is she right about that? Because that's what we're doing, right? We're, we're, we're presuming, assuming that all we need is more mental health resources and monies and the governor has said it and Beto O'Rourke has said it and everybody running everywhere around the country. I'll do the most. I'll spend more. I'll spend more than my opponent. I care more. We need more. But she is saying, and I think this is powerful, 
what if what, what if all we're doing is telling evil, selfish, twisted people, oh, it's it's not you. It's 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 mental illness. I'm not saying there isn't mental illness. Of course there is. And I'm not belittling it or or degrading it. But is it a mistake if we want our children to be safe in schools, if we don't want these terrible things to keep happening? Is it a mistake to hang that sign on every one of the, as she calls them correctly, twisted freaks that do this? And here's a little more from Megan Petty, cut number seven. The defendant and I are the same age, and I can say for a fact that at the time he murdered Elena, he was old enough and mentally aware enough to understand the permanence of death, what that meant. He understood how much it hurt from his own personal experiences, and he fully understood what the consequences would be for murdering someone, yet he chose to do it anyway. I could sit here and complain, as he has, that I've had a hard life. I was bullied in school. I've lost 15 family members and loved ones since I turned nine to sickness, suicide, accident, and now murder. Not once have I ever turned to hurting others as a solution for, to make me feel better because I'm not a coward and I'm not weak. However, after witnessing these proceedings, it appears to me that we coddle, protect, and even reward weakness and evil in a person. What do you think about that? I, I wanted you to hear that because I, I don't think it's as powerful as if I, if I just relate it or paraphrase it to you. Um, I give her so much credit. Um, and what, what, a, what wonderful parenting she must have had and how much she must have loved her sister to be able to stand there and be in this guy's presence and look at him. You know, they give this opportunity, and most people don't take it. They can't. Uh, after her, a dad got up, and, 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 and hit, this was a, 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 a grown man, and he, he struggled. But I think she is saying something we need to stop and think about, because we are running, all rushing and running toward this consensus idea that all we have going on here is a mental health Un, you know, untreated mental health crisis. Now, again, I'm not saying there isn't a need for mental health treatment. I'm not saying there aren't mental health issues. Of course there are. But she's saying, I'm not buying that as the conclusion of this, these proceedings because they gave him life. They didn't give him the death penalty. I, this isn't good enough, she's saying. And she's warning us. She says, if you if you keep doing this with people like him, some of them are dead and you can't put them on trial, but if you keep doing this, you keep softening the sentence, you keep allowing for the mental health issue, you're telling the, uh, the future school shooters how to go about it. I think she's got a great point. I want to know what you think. 210-599-5555. Your call's on that and votes in today's J.R. Poll on 550 and 1071 KTSA. It's the changing of seasons, and right now, thankfully, we really don't need AC or heat, so hopefully we'll get a couple of not-so-terrible CPS energy bills. They were scary there for a while. But here's the thing. 
while we're in the calm between the storms weather-wise, it's a great time to get your system checked out by Quarter Moon Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. And that checkup is thorough. But it's also something you can schedule at your convenience. Like if you've only got one day a week that you can be there to let them in. Or if you've got to have it at a certain hour of the day because everything else is booked up, tied up, the kids, this, that. Just let them know. Call 210-651-5899. They're amazingly easy to work with because they've got so many heating and air conditioning technicians and trucks. And they'll schedule your fall checkup of your system inside and out. 210-651-5899 for Quarter Moon Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, which, by the way, is our sponsor for this year's Wrapping with Jack. You can also find them at QuarterMoonPlumbing.com or on Facebook as Quarter Moon Plumbing, Heating, and AC. License numbers M13229, TACLA, 007-4345E. The 2022 midterms. Stay connected and informed. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. This is your all right, it's 550 on 550 and 1071 KTSA Tuesday. Um, we played the victim impact statement from Megan Petty, whose 14-year-old sister, Elena Petty, was one of those 17 people killed in the 2018 school shooting in Parkland, Florida, the high school. So it, these are always very powerful, emotional statements, and it always takes a lot of gumption to come into the courtroom and and speak in front of not only a room full of people, but the person that took the life of your loved one. And even at that, as extraordinary as they always are, this one really stood out. Because it wasn't just about him, and it wasn't just about what he took from her. She is saying, I don't think we're doing this right. I don't think we're framing this issue right. And I want to get your thoughts on that. 210-599-5555. Carlos is on KTSA. Carlos, welcome to the show. Good evening. Yes, I, I totally agree with you and what the girl said. But to me, you don't have to be a psychologist or psychiatrist to know the difference between a crazy, insane person versus an person who's depressed or has some emotional issues. This guy wasn't crazy or insane. He just had no character. He was a loser. And he should get the death penalty. Unless you were really crazy. So that's my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think what she's saying is you're going to have a lot more of these if you keep defining it as, uh, well, this person had a weakness or there was a deficiency or society let them down. And, and, and I, think we've, I think we've rushed to embrace that, and politicians have rushed to embrace that for a very simple reason, which is that if you can make it about health care then you can make it about money and politicians are always happy when, when you present politicians with a problem that can be solved by spending more money they are always happy to do that you will never hear politicians say well i don't know where we'll find the money or i don't know if we have that money it's not like you're asking your dad for money to go to the movies politicians will always gladly respond with more money and when you're close to an election, even more so. What if what's happening in our world right now, the, the depravity, the lack of conscience, the lust for the blood of innocence, what if this is not something we can spend our way out of? What if this is not something 
that the politicians can solve with money, which, by the way, is our money, but you, 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 still. What if we have to wrestle with something more? And that's what I think she's saying. You've got to wrestle with something more intricate than that. You know, where she says, look, this guy and I are the same age. You are old enough to know that you are taking somebody off the board. It is not credible to her, it's not credible to me, that these school shooters are in some place where, oh, they don't know. And what if our failure to give the maximum penalty actually is, and this is her theory, it's contributing to the next one. Michael is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. What do you think? Well, Jack, I I agree with her, uh, what she has said. Uh, I think we need to go back to, uh, I think when these school shootings happen, we need to do a full uh, forensic interview of the life of that perpetrator because a lot of, I know there was a mention that the young man who uh, did the shooting in Uvalde, that he was a very loving, happy child until he was about eight years old. And then he just turned into an introvert and they suspect that he was sexually abused and he was just never the same. I mean, these are, uh, my but background, see, I but see Michael, work. that's the that's the hold hold on that that's that's exactly what we're talking about. Are are we being a little too casual with connecting, let's say, sexual abuse to mass murder? Are there not lots of sex abuse victims in our midst, amongst us, next to us at work, who never have hurt anybody else, have never turned their pain, and it is pain. On, on other people. Is it time to maybe think of these shooters the way we think of bank robbers? When, when somebody robs a bank, we don't go, gosh, what was it in their childhood? What was it in their parental relationship? What was it in the, the chemical balance in their head? You know, No, we don't. When they rob a bank, we say, that person wanted the money. They wanted money. And they went to where the money is. When a person shoots up a school, they want death. They want to take lives. They go to where the lives are. I'm sorry, I know this is not the most pleasant pre-dinner conversation, but I, I, frankly, I'm just getting a little tired of how we're skirting around this. So again, I, I don't mind having the mental health conversation. It's a piece of it, okay. And yes, we have definitely work to do in that realm. If there if there are people trying to get help and they can't, if there are families with with uh, you know, say sons and daughters that, that they're scared and worried about and they can't get anybody to see the person. I, I get it. I want them to get help. So I'm not saying don't. I'm not slamming the door on that. But I'm listening to Megan Petty, and Megan Petty is saying he knew what he was doing. He did what he wanted to do. You need to confront that. You don't want to think of it that way, but you need to think of it that way. I think we do need to think of it that way. When somebody robs a bank, we say they wanted money. We don't twist ourselves into pretzels trying to come up with some other explanation. 
They wanted money. Maybe when people kill children in a school, they want death. They want blood. They want the... the and, and, and I'm not saying... We're never going to completely understand it because that's not who we are. But they maybe they want the notoriety. Maybe they want the infamy. Maybe they want the... Maybe they want to be the subject of somebody else's obsession just as they obsessed on the Internet over the, you know, the Columbine killers or this killer or the Uvalde killer or whatever it is. But I think she is challenging us to, to dig a little deeper than we've been digging, and I, I, I agree with her on that. And I want to get your thoughts on it. We have a lot more to get into right after we catch up on all the news here next on KTSA. Jack Riccardi, afternoons 4 till 7. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. KTSA News Time 607. Later in this hour, the results on our JR poll, you can vote. Uh, do you support a windfall profits tax on oil companies? That's another great idea that Joe Biden has resurrected from the Jimmy Carter 70s. And uh, they're trying in the waning days of the midterms to convince people that you shouldn't be angry at the Biden administration and the Green New Deal for jacking up energy costs and gasoline prices. You should be angry at oil companies. Uh, We're going to talk about that. So uh, the district attorney in San Francisco, Brooke Jenkins, and she, by the way, is the (laughs) whatever you think of her, you've seen a lot of her on television, but. Remember, she's the reasonable one that was brought in to replace the insane district attorney who was recalled by voters. When you're too radical for San Francisco and San Francisco voters recall you, you can just imagine, right? Uh, Boudin was his name, or Boudin. So they they canned him. They brought in Brooke Jenkins to, like, straighten everything out, right the ship. And now this uh, Pelosi thing happens. Um, you know... She is really taking an interesting tack on this. She is saying that we have an investigation going on. That's why you're not getting um, body cam footage from the San Francisco police. We're not going to release the 911 call that Paul Pelosi allegedly made in the midst of his attack. Um and what's weird to me about this, I mean, there's a lot that's wrong with it, obviously, and, and clearly the, the power of the Pelosi's in San Francisco is is on display. They don't want the details, so they've let it be known. But you, you don't have an investigation. You don't have a mystery. This isn't the Kennedy assassination. This isn't Son of Sam or a serial killer on the loose. You've told us, This is the guy. We have him. We're holding him without bail. He did it. Um, The public defender has been appointed. The public defender has indicated today they're going to go for an insanity defense. So uh, if this is the guy and you're telling us this is what happened, there should be no problem with... um, just some supporting evidence. I, I, I understand I'm not entitled, you're not entitled to everything. But you're telling a story that doesn't make sense chronologically, logically. It's had a number of, of inconsistencies and, and facts that don't align. The timeline doesn't work. We're supposed to believe that 
this rich, powerful family did not have an alarm system, did not have glass breakage detectors. Your average production home in San Antonio has those things. Every house in the neighborhood has, that where she lives, it's called Pacific Heights. Every house has private security, has alarm systems. So sensitive that when a window is broken at one house, the glass breakage detectors at the next door house often also go off. But Pelosi didn't have it? Of course she has it. And they don't have cameras? Of course they do. This is the home of the third most powerful person in the country. This is the home of the person who is next in line to the presidency after Kamala Harris. If they don't have video, if there wasn't an alarm that went off, if there wasn't a security guard or security presence, that's because they didn't want it. And that changes the entire story. If Paul Pelosi did not want anyone in the house, if they didn't want cameras on, if they didn't want an alarm to go off, then how am I supposed to believe that this was an intruder as opposed to an invited person? Which, by the way, people who've heard the 911 tape say he's referred to as. And then the glass breakage. The glass is on the ground outside the house. If you break into a house, the glass falls into the room. I mean, for crying out loud, Agatha Christie taught us that. Jess Fletcher taught us that. Rest in peace, Angela Lansbury, right? So, this is starting to look like the Jesse Smollett story, with the big difference being that Jesse Smollett got away with his framing or his narrative until a solid, routine police investigation blew it up. And in this case, because of the power of the Pelosi's in San Francisco, we're, we're not going to have, I mean, th- th- there'll be an investigation, but we're not going to have the, the details. The Chicago police couldn't wait to come to the microphones and say, this uh, is a liar, liar, pants on fire. Obviously, in San Francisco, they're not going to come out and call the Pelosi's liars. Why is this important? Well, as we said yesterday, you wouldn't care, you wouldn't have to care, it wouldn't be any of our business, except they're making it the fault of our politics, the fault of your politics, of how you voted, of how you're going to vote next Tuesday. They're connecting it to the midterms, so we have to care. And they're using terms like domestic terrorism and extremism. And remember, these are the people that called going to a school board meeting domestic terrorism. These are the people that called not getting the vaccine domestic terrorism or questioning uh, COVID protocols on Twitter. So they're very, very, um, their, their playbook is very well known to us. They're also very desperate. We are, we are now less than a week from the midterm elections. They're very worried about them. They've just lost Twitter to Elon Musk. Twitter was extremely valuable to them in what I just mentioned. So all of this, um, and, and I mean, and, and even if you think about crime, crime is, is, is on the rise, and in a place like San Francisco, there's a, a definite local crime wave. So 
all of this has the feeling of something that is either going to get away from them or they are going to smother with a pillow. I think Paul Pelosi will recover. I hope he does. No one should be hitting the head with a hammer. But I feel like right before our eyes, they are smothering to death this story. And we're not supposed to ask these questions. And that makes me wonder all the more, right? Like, just the secretiveness or the secrecy of, oh, well, we we have an ongoing investigation. We can't tell you this and we can't tell you that. You don't. You have the guy. You have him. His his public uh, defender has already said they're going to plead. 210-599-5555. So we'll talk about that. And then we talked about COVID amnesty, the piece in the Atlantic by Brown University professor Emily Oster is another sign of desperation. This is this is the left realizing that they are losing the kinds of people that gave them electoral victories in 2018 and 2020. But now these people are angry at COVID tyranny, at, at bad science, at dictatorial policies that were harmful to people and harmful to children. And so she writes, what we need to do now is forgive one another for the mistakes made during COVID. Well, I could forgive my friend or my sister or my brother, but am I supposed to forgive governors and mayors and county judges and public health people that issued edicts and orders and assumed powers they did not have, shut down and censored people that questioned them, even respected colleagues, people that were on the same level as them intellectually, but were ostracized and called deniers? I mean, they stopped at nothing for two years whenever anybody challenged them or questioned them. So forgive me if I'm not feeling like I want to let all that go. And are they asking me to let it go because they feel like the comeuppance is next Tuesday? I mean, we could have talked amnesty anytime. Why are we talking about it now? 210-599-5555. So we're going to kick those around. We're going to get to your calls and an update on KTSA Time Saver Traffic here on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. There are those days when you can't plan dinner. You're not even sure what time you're going to get home or what's there to make for dinner. And those are those are great nights to just make Julian's the plan. You know, there's three Julian's Italian pizzeria and kitchen locations whether you're trying to eat healthy with salads and grilled chicken or you just need spaghetti and meatballs, tonight just feels like pizza. You've got all those choices, so many things to choose from on the menu at All Three Julians. You can eat there. You can get it to go. You can have it delivered. You can get it at curbside at Bitters and West Avenue at Bulverde in 1604 or over in Alamo Heights on North New Braunfels Avenue. Maybe tonight is one of those nights. Maybe tonight is a Julian's night for you and your family. See the whole menu at julianspizzeria.com. Celebrating 100 years of service. 55 KTSA. Six twenty-two on five fifty and one zero seven one KTSA. Uh, we're wrapping up uh, at the end of the hour with the results on the JR poll. We've been talking about uh, COVID amnesty, 
about the Pelosi story, about the midterms, about the uh, phenomenon of high school shootings, and this victim statement from the sister of one of the victims at Parkland, Florida, really challenging us to not get too comfortable with the sort of pat explanation that these school massacres are just mental health episodes. Ben is on KTSA. Ben, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jack. I love your show, man. I listen every afternoon. Uh, oh, mega, you. mega conservative terrorist here. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that, <laughs> that that young lady... Um, I commend her. She, I, I when I went to college, I had a professor Gambino. She, she, uh, she commended me on my use of words. Right? She said you're very descriptive. Blah blah blah. This young lady put it to them and put it in their face and told them exactly what they did wrong. And we, we as the people, I guess as voters, I mean, maybe it's the you know maybe the bill makers, the congressmen, all that, but. We, now it's on us because we've got to rectify this. We've got to change this. And and I'm sorry, I'm 100% for the death penalty. It, you can't claim mental illness when you've gone and done this. And, you know, there's, okay, maybe you've been abused, like she said, or like they said, you know, the, the Uvalde scooter, the shooter was sexually abused, blah, blah, blah. That's, that's not an excuse to take people's lives. No way, no how. No, I don't care. That's just you know, no way. So I, I am, I'm so glad that you put that out there because her speech was not only brave and courageous, but it was putting the finger in those in you know the judicial system yeah. and the yeah. those those well jury, to us too jurors. though to us too because we will be, it is easy to be seduced to thinking, okay, um, yeah, more, yeah, more, more you know, more resources, yeah. more, more clinics, more um, interventions. No, I, thank you for the call, Ben, and thank you for the kind words. I was thinking when I was listening to Ben and when I was listening to um, Megan Petty about, I've had many conversations over the years with Nico LaHood, our former uh, district attorney who's been on our show many times, uh, both before and, and after being DA. And he has a fixation, if I can use that word in a positive way, on what he calls depraved conscience or seared conscience. That if people lack the normal, what what most of us have, I mean, most of us marinate in what we've done. We dwell on what we've done. We, we, um, we rehash. We're we're our own worst critics. I think I'm, I'm I'm probably accurate in describing you. I know I'm describing myself. I mean, we're harder on ourselves than anybody is. When you don't have any of that, you are just a a, a hunger, and you just feed yourself whatever you want. You just go get and take whatever you want. You are a depraved conscience. You're a seared conscience. And the stuff that holds society together, the glue that makes everything work, is the presumption that we're that most people are good people. And they are. I mean, most people are good people. But we have to be real. We have to figure out and be real about the, the presence of evil. 
And politicians are not equipped for this. I'm just going to tell you, it's not Republicans or Democrats or conservatives or Greg Abbott. or it, They're not equipped for this. They're not moral leaders. This is a moral question. What do we do when people in our midst massacre indiscriminately? And if our answer is, well, we need more government programs, I can promise you, you will get them. But I'm not too sure they will help. And a person with a depraved conscience is probably not going to be fixed by modern psychology. I mean, I've, I've been to a, I've said this before, this is not news. I've been to a therapist. I've seen a therapist. If you have two, then you're going to know what I'm about to say. They can only help you if you want to be helped. And if you don't want to be helped, if somebody makes you go or says you've got to go, I'm taking you with me, I'm drunk, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. So her, her statement basically says, I think we are labeling something in a way that we find convenient, and I don't think it's going to stop these killings. In fact, I think it might lead to more of them. She says when people see him get away with this and basically get to live the rest of his life with notoriety and being taken care of, I think you'll have more shootings. I think she's right. I cringe when I hear people say, well, but he'll have to live with the memory of what he did. If that was bothering him, if if he had a conscience, I don't think he would have done it. And all of his behavior since he did it, his antics in the courtroom, to me suggest he doesn't have one. Politicians don't know what to do with this.